Welcome to True Crime Daily. Even though the stories you'll hear are short, they are very much intended for an adult audience. The stories you'll hear cover some very serious subject matter, and they contain content that will be alarming for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Today's story will be especially hard to listen to. It was a Saturday night in March of 2017. A vacant house in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma went up in flames. Well and truly ablaze when firefighters arrived. The following investigation was unable to determine the cause. In the months leading up to the fire, and in the months following it, Broken Arrow City Councillor Mike Lester worked on fundraising the money to purchase the home. He had the plan to turn it into a memorial garden. Two years after the fire, the garden would open. It would take the place of the house that stood at 709 Magnolia Court in Broken Arrow. But this is not a story about a fire or an arsonist. It's the story of why a city councilman needed to turn that house into a memorial garden and who it was dedicated to. In 2015, 709 Magnolia Court was home to the Bever family. April and David and their four sons and three daughters, ranging in age from two years old to 18 years old. The Bevers were an unconventional family. The neighbours would tell you the children were polite and well-mannered, but it would be hard to say really. The children did not attend school. It was assumed that they were homeschooled, but the family were not active members of the local homeschooling committee. Outside of their brothers and sisters, they had no other friends. They had very little contact with the outside world. The Bever children very much believed their parents hated children, including their own. Physical and psychological abuse was allegedly commonplace in the Bever household, often coming from the father David. Now more often than not, the desire for fame is a harmless teenager goal, especially in the digital age. Robert and Michael, the eldest Bever boys at 18 and 16, were anything but harmless. After discovering that they were both interested in murder, they began to formulate a plan. They too had the goal of achieving fame. They wanted the world to see what they could do. They had a plan to murder a hundred people. In the months leading up to July of 2015, Robert and Michael planned their murder spree in excruciating detail. It would involve them driving across Oklahoma, stopping in towns along the way, and randomly killing. Filming the murder so that they could share it with the world. Fame was the motive, giving themselves targets to outdo other media-heavy massacres. Robert said his parents would often reference the biblical apocalypse, and he would later tell police that he had no intentions of going out to kill bad people. But if it was to happen across a bad person, he would kill them, to which he felt he was helping society. Being older, Robert was allowed a job. He spent majority of his paycheck on building out an armory for him and his brother. Knives, guns, ammunition, and body armor. The original plan was to start the spree in September of 2015, but they both agreed that by July, they were ready. The first stop on their killing spree was the Bever House. At around 11pm on July 22nd, 2015, Michael called his 13-year-old sister Crystal into the bedroom 
He told her he had something to show on the computer. Waiting in the room was Robert. He grabbed her from behind, and without any hesitation, he drove a knife into Crystal's abdomen. She fell to the ground. He was robot-like. They both were. The people in this house. The people they'd grown up with. They were no longer their family. They were no longer their brothers and sisters that they'd played with as kids. They were now nothing but targets to Robert and Michael. April, the children's mother, came in to inspect the noise. Robert again was the one to grab her. In a fury, he stabbed his mother at least 48 times across her head, her neck, her body, arms and hands. Crystal lay bleeding on the floor watching her brothers murder their mother. When the two were satisfied with the horror inflicted on their mother, they moved on to their father. Robert took out the largest knife he had and he stabbed his father 21 times in the back. From their father, the two deranged brothers moved on to their seven-year-old brother Christopher. Six times they stabbed him. He died on the spot. 18-year-old Victoria was stabbed 18 times. Her neck, her chest and her back. She too died on the spot. Unaccounted for by the brothers was 12-year-old Daniel, hidden away in his room. While in complete shock, he'd managed to dial 911, whispering his brothers were attacking the family. When the two discovered Daniel, they were unprepared to leave a survivor. Unable to get the door open, Michael called for help. He claimed that Robert was now attacking him. Daniel's last act was to come to his brother's rescue. But his brother obviously didn't need any help. When the door opened, the two murdered Daniel. Startled by the sirens approaching the house, the two fled on foot out the back. Police found a weakened crystal clinging on to life. The youngest Bever, two-year-old Autumn, was the only other survivor. She was left unintentionally. Robert would later say that if it was not for the sirens, Autumn too would have been murdered by the way of decapitation. Their plan never involved police. They'd originally intended to cut the family up and leave them in the attic while they took the car. But there'd be no road trip across Oklahoma for the murderous pair. There'd be no manhunt. Police apprehended the two almost immediately. Hiding in the woods behind the family home, covered in dirt and blood, the two were arrested. Now amazingly, they would go on to plead not guilty. Michael being 16 at the time of the murders meant there had to be some consideration around how he was tried, as a juvenile or as an adult. The courts would eventually decide to try him as an adult. His defense got to work early, arguing insanity. He saw multiple mental health professionals and attempted suicide in his cell. During the trial, officers involved in the investigation were made to step down when it was discovered that evidence had been mishandled. USB drives that had the brothers' plans, along with Crystal's journal, which went into detail about her suspicion of Robert and his desire to hurt people, were no longer admissible in court. But ultimately, Michael would receive five life sentences for five counts of first-degree murder and one count of assault with intent to kill. Parole could one day be an option for the younger brother. If there was a ringleader, it was Robert, only avoiding the death penalty after entering into a plea agreement. He too was given five life sentences without parole. In 2020, Robert was given a further three life sentences to serve after he attempted an attack on a prison staff. At 
Magnolia Court and Broken Arrow, you'll now find Reflection Park. It stands there to show respect to those that were lost and to show support for the two sisters that remain.